0: This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Last week we started a new series, a series called Journey to the Cross. How many of you guys were here last week? For those of you that were, I talked a little bit about roads and the importance of determining what road you're on. Jesus had this to say about roads. He said, broad is the road that leads to what? Destruction. And narrow is the road that leads to life. God always sets before us choices as to which road we're gonna live our life on. And so we talked a lot about the importance of, of roads and the importance of footsteps and following in the footsteps of Jesus. And the text for our series is this. It's right out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, and it says this, the NLT. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example and you must follow in his steps. You must follow. Some of us, I said, read that as we might follow, we may follow, we should follow. But the command, the imperative is that we must follow, that we must follow in his steps. And so we talked about the importance of following in the footsteps of Jesus because Jesus is leading us somewhere. He's on a mission. Amen. He said he was going to build his church. That means that if you and I are part of that and we've signed up and we've said yes to that assignment, then we get to follow him in doing that here in the earth. So today I want to follow up this idea of, of roads and footsteps with this question Do you know where you're going? Do you know where you're going? The title of my message is simply this Where are you going? Some of you are like, after church, I'm going to Kentucky Fried Chicken to get a bucket of chicken. Some of you are like, I'm going home to take a nap. Some of you are like, I'm going up to go skiing, right? We all have short-term answers to that, but I want us to think bigger than that. I want you to think more eternally. Where are you going? What does God have for your life and where are you going? Nowadays, we don't tend to think a lot about directions because we have these amazing devices called smartphones. How many of you guys own a smartphone? And on that smartphone there's probably Google Maps or there's probably Apple Maps. And so we have these amazing GPS devices that are synced with satellites that are giving us real-time directions. So we don't tend to think a lot about where we're going oftentimes. I know when I'm uh, meeting with folks, I'll just quickly you know, punch in their address and, and, and hope and pray and trust that the software will, will take me to where I need to go. I even have this, this watch, this um, Garmin watch, that is synced with a satellite right now, and I can actually log the coordinates of where I am if I were to get lost out in the Uintas, or out in the Wasatch. It's amazing that we have this technology, but I remember a day before the tech, how many of you have been around for a moment? All right, a few of you. Anybody remember Rand McNally maps? (laughs) Now I'm dating myself. Some of you younger ones are like, Rand McNally, what are you talking about? Rand McNally was this company that put together physical road maps, and it mapped out all the locations around the U.S., uh, all the major routes, the highways. Uh, prim- primarily, it was the, the source for, for getting around. I remember when I was 18, I left high school, and I traveled with a, a Christian rock band for a year and a half, and we drove everywhere. We went all over the world. We went all over the U.S., and we used to use the Rand McNally <laughs> map to try to figure out where we were going. And when I was a young boy, around five, six, seven years old, I used to spend time with my grandparents who at the time lived up in Sacramento, California. And my grandmother used to love to take us on road trips. Anybody ever been on just a great road trip? My grandma loved to get behind the wheel of the car and drive, even to her old age. Like she was in her late eighties and she was still just crushing it. But she used to take us all over the place. We'd go to Yosemite, Yosemite, we go to the Redwoods, we drive all the way up the Oregon coast, we go down the PCH all the way to San Diego. We spent a lot of time driving. And my assignment as the co-pilot and navigator was to hold the Rand McNally map, to hold the map. And so she would call and say, Jason, when's the next exit coming up? And I'd say, all right, coming up, Grandma, just a few more turns, all right. And it was my job to make sure that she didn't miss her exit or miss where she was called to go because once again, I was holding the map. Let me start by asking you today, who's holding the map in your life? Who's holding the map in your life? And who's your navigator? Who gets to tell you where you're going and how to get there? Let's face it, there are a lot of people and a lot of different voices in our lives that wanna try to tell us where to go and how to get there. But there's only one I would submit to you today. There's only one person who is uniquely and perfectly equipped to do so, to tell you where to go. And that is God, the Holy Spirit. That is the person of the Holy Spirit. Unlike you or me, he is a perfect navigator. He is a reliable guide. Even when the the phones die and the batteries die and the phone gives out and the watch gives out, come on, Holy Spirit never gives out. He never lets go. And Jesus had this to say about him in John chapter 16, verse 13. He said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, and he will not speak on his own account, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. How many of you would like to know a little something about the future? How many would say, Pastor Jason, I am a futurist. I'm always thinking about the future. I'm a total futurist. In fact, it's, it's a struggle sometimes to, to remain in the present because my head's always in the next moment. Can anybody relate to that today? Yeah, many of you. But the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit will actually tell us about the future. One of the reasons Jesus actually sends his spirit to come live in us and rest upon us is to do this, is to help guide us into all truth and to tell us things about the future. He does this to help us, I believe, navigate the craziness of this world that we're living in. And how many of you guys know the world's only gonna get crazier, it's only gonna get darker, it's only gonna get more wild. So the Holy Spirit enters into our life to help us navigate the craziness of this world. He gives us what I'm going to call today trustworthy directions. And he helps assist us in getting there because he's actually already where we're going. He's calling out to us from our future moment. The Bible says that God actually knows the the end from the beginning. You know why? Because he's not constrained to time. He's He's not bound to this construct we call time. He's already in our future calling out to us which is why he sends his Holy Spirit to come tell us things about the future and to guide us where we're called to go if we're willing to follow if we're willing to follow him now as I've already mentioned the Holy Spirit is a perfect navigator and he's a reliable guide which is why we are called as the people of God as children of God to trust him with the journey everybody say the journey Just as important as knowing what road you're on is learning to rely on the Holy Spirit's directions and guidance for your journey today. And that's what we're talking about. So how do we do this? Today I wanna look at just some practical ways that I believe that the Holy Spirit is called to be our navigator and our guide. To begin, I think it's always good to start with the end in mind. God does this with our lives. He starts with the destination or say the goal for our life. Everybody say the goal. God has a goal for your life. We like to use the word purpose. But God has a destination for us, and that destination is found in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the source and the destination. He's the pinnacle of where history is headed. Some of you are like, I'm not sure about what's going on with Russia and Ukraine and Iran and China and Israel and all the nations of the world that are rising up, right? But Jesus does. Jesus knows exactly where it's headed. And God is not gonna be mocked. He's not gonna be surprised. Some of us are like shocked by what's happening in the news. Don't be. You know why? Because he isn't. And as those who find their identity and their their worth in Christ Jesus, who find their purpose with God, be rest assured of this. He knows exactly where it's going and he can help you with where he's calling you to go. Do you believe that today? I wonder if we really believe that. Do we have that belief anchored and rooted in our hearts today? So what is the destination or goal that God has for us? That's what we want to know. How do we we know God's purpose for our life? These are some of the questions that I want us to be thinking about this morning. There are a lot of people that I think would like to answer that for you guys. Social media would like to answer that for you. The news, the mainstream news would like to answer that for you. Politicians would love to answer that for you, right? But Jesus actually has some answers for us. So let's go to the word. First, the scriptures tell us that number one today, the world is not our home Philippians 3:20 says it this way but we are citizens of heaven where the lord Jesus Christ lives where does Jesus Christ live in heaven where is Jesus seated in heaven he's reigning and he's ruling over all the earth the bible says until the father puts every one of his enemies everyone that opposes his kingdom and his rule under his feet the picture is like that of a king with his feet on a footstool isn't that awesome That today Jesus' feet are here on the earth and that he is in heaven reigning and ruling, interceding, the Bible says, for you and for me. He's praying for us today. As we're worshiping him, as we're crying out, as we're singing songs of adoration and praise, he's actually praying for you. Some of you are like, pray for me, Pastor Jason. I love to pray. And we always say yes. But can I tell you something? Jesus is praying for you. And the Holy Spirit is interceding with groanings that are too great for words, the Bible says. So the Holy Spirit's praying for you and Jesus is praying for you. You know what that means? You got two of the three members of the Godhead in your favor, in your corner, thinking about you, praying for you today. I would say those are great odds, wouldn't you? Oh, let's go to Vegas. Let's come on. Let's put money on black. Let's go. (laughs) I would say those are good odds. And there's a lot of people that would like to come and and tell us otherwise or like to give us answers for where the world is headed and, and what our place within the world looks like and what our purpose is, but the world is not our home. It's not our final destination. The location of our citizenship and our identity lies with Jesus in heaven, where he is king, where he is seated, where he is ruling and reigning. And for those of us that put our faith in Christ, For those of you watching online today or listening to this message, for those of you that put your faith in Jesus, the world is not your home. Heaven is, which means the world will never satisfy the heavenly desires of your heart. The Bible says that he has put eternity within our hearts. Do you guys believe that this morning? This is also why Peter warns us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. He says, dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, the ESV says sojourners and exiles. But I like the rendering of this in the LT here. He says, I'm warning you as temporary resident. Listen, guys, you're a temporary resident here on earth. And you're a foreigner to the way that the world works if you're in Christ. And he says, therefore, to keep away from worldly desires, that wage war against your soul. So we're citizens of heaven, but we're also sojourners and exiles, we're temporary residents here on earth. And here on earth there is a battle going on. Make no mistake, there is a war being waged for your soul. Isn't that what it says? First Peter is trying to encourage the church at Jerusalem in the first century who is enduring great persecution and strife and pain and chaos. And he's saying, listen, stay away from the worldly desires, all that stuff that's coming at you on Fox News and CNN and social media and Instagram, all the people that want your dollars, all the advertising money, all the marketing that's trying to get you to spend money that you don't have to be indebted to people that you don't even like. He says, stay away from all that worldly stuff that's just trying to woo you. It's trying to pull you. It's trying to seduce you and me into gravitating toward it because there is a war, a very real spiritual war being waged against our soul. See, the enemy wants your soul. He wants to destroy you. He wants to steal what God's given you. He wants to trample it and he wants to deceive you. That's the role that he has in this world. And the spirit of the the world, the worldly system, we could call it, the worldly age that we're in, wants to do this as well, which is all the more reason why we need the Holy Spirit to help guide us where we're going. We're talking about where we're going today. So we're citizens of heaven. We're sojourners here on earth and we're ambassadors of another kingdom. Listen to Paul and what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. He says, so we are Christ's ambassadors because God is making his appeal through us. Therefore, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. To be an ambassador to another nation is to be a representative of the nation that you're from As an ambassador, you speak on behalf of the place that you're representing, your home nation. You're you're carrying its culture. You're carrying its vision. You're carrying its values. And you do so on behalf of those who govern it and rule it. Beloved, Jesus is our heavenly ruler. He is the governor of heaven. And we are his ambassadors, speaking on his behalf, pleading to those that would have ears to hear and receive what we have to say. Here's what we're saying. Come back to God. Be reconciled to the Father. You know what we like to say these days? Come home. Come home. Church, that's our mission and that's our mandate from heaven as ambassadors of the kingdom. That's why we're here in this city. That's why we've taken up residence here in Salt Lake. Not because it's easy, no. But because we're pleading with people, come back to God. Come back to the Father. Jesus said, it's like sheep without a shepherd. They're just scattered. They're just lost like spiritual orphans without a spiritual home. Fatherless, confused, and lost. But church, we have the words of life. We have the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life, the bread of heaven. We have the only thing that will satisfy. And this is why as a church, we're leaning into Alpha in this next season. We're getting ready to launch Alpha in a couple of weeks after Easter, Alpha is an amazing opportunity for us to invite people to come back to God and to hear the gospel and the story of God in a compelling way. You'll be hearing a little bit more about that in the weeks to come, but I want to encourage you to lean into that with us. Jesus is the bread of life, he says, and he gives our lives purpose and substance and meaning. He gives breath to our why. Why are we doing this, Lord? Why are we here? We're here to be a signpost to a lost and a broken generation. I wonder if I talk to anybody today that believes that. That God would use your life as a signpost to lead many to the heart of the Father. We have this message in this ministry of reconciliation, Paul says, right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Be reconciled to the Father. Listen, the Father's no longer in the world holding people's sins against them. That's good news. That's amazing news for us, right? For those of us that believe that, that's powerful. And so our ministry, our message is simple. It's return home. It's come back to God. It's, it's this pleading, this, this eager desire for people to return to the Father. But you can't help people do that if you don't know where you're going. So let me ask you again today, where are you going? Do you know? In the same way that the world is not our home, the scriptures tell us that the world, number two today, is not our model. It's not our model, or another word might be paradigm. Okay. It's not our model or paradigm. It's not just that the world is unreliable. It's that it's actually twisted and perverse in its desire to corrupt you in its desire to corrupt you. This is why Paul says this in Romans chapter 12, verse two. And I love this passage. He says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world, but, but now hear this, let God transform you. How many of you want to be transformed by God? God, that's my heart each and every day of my life. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think, and then you will be able to learn to know and understand and discern what God's will for you is, what is His good and perfect and pleasing will. If we're going to learn to trust the Spirit's work in this department, we've got to stop copying the behaviors and customs of the world. You ever play uh, Simon says <laughs> as a kid. Right, Simon says, put up your left arm, and everybody puts up their left arm. Simon says, put up your your right leg, and everybody puts up their right leg. And then, you know, the person who's playing Simon says, okay, now put up your left leg, and then everybody does it, and it's like, ah, Simon didn't say. And many of us are playing Simon Says with the world where we're taking our cues from the world. We're, we're copying the customs and the behaviors of the world. So when the world says, put up your arm, we put up our arm. And when the world says, go this, we do this. When the world says, do that, we do that, right? But we are called not to pattern our lives after the world, but after the kingdom of the heavens, after the person and work of Jesus Christ, who is our model, who is our perfect paradigm, who is the pattern that our lives are being actively conformed to. The Bible says that you and I are being conformed to the image. A better word is pattern of the sun. This happens when you and I submit our lives to this little word called repentance. As I said last week, repentance is changing the way you think. Do you guys know that we have an active role in this? That God actually entrusts this to us? We have an active role in changing the way that we think. Some are like, oh, I'll never change. Oh, I'll never be different. Oh, I'll never have transformation, right? And that is submitting yourself to a worldly way of thinking because the Bible says that we can change the way we think. And when we change the way we think, we're going to be transformed. We're gonna be the people that look more and more like the people God created us to be, amen? And the byproduct of that is that we'll know his perfect will. A lot of people are like, Jason, what's my purpose? What's God's will for my life? I don't know it. I don't, I don't know it. I, I really want to know it. Listen, if you're a person that desires the perfect and pleasing will of God, it's a good indication that you're probably in the will of God. Because I've never met anybody outside of the will of God longing to do God's will. All right. So give yourself a little pat on the back. Give yourself some credit. But the Bible is very clear here that the way that we learn to understand His perfect and pleasing will for our lives is by changing the way we think, by submitting our lives to repentance, by turning from copying the behaviors and customs of the world and turning and copying the customs and behaviors of heaven. So we have to learn to do this. A good way to start is by rejecting the false notion that your earthly and worldly success is gonna bring you fulfillment. Here's what Jesus says about that in Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 through 20 the nlt says don't store up treasures in heaven excuse me don't store up treasures here on earth just making sure you're paying attention today (laughs) we'll edit that on the video don't store up treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy anybody ever like open up your closet and see that moth has like destroyed something that you loved no no not not recently we're in utah uh (laughs) Growing up in California, we had moths. <laughs> and they'd get into closets and just eat holes in your clothes. He says, don't, don't, don't do this. Don't store up your treasures here on earth where this stuff can destroy and where thieves can break in and steal. Verse 20, but store your treasures in heaven. Where? In heaven. Where moth and rust cannot destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Store up your treasures in heaven. Another way to say this would be invest in eternal things. Invest in eternity, not just the temporal, not just the earthly. Invest in the gospel. Invest in serving your church. Invest in being generous with your time and your talent and your treasure. Invest in aiding the work of God and building the kingdom here on earth. Invest in honoring those and being quick to honor those around you. Invest in serving the least of these. Invest in choosing joy. Invest in choosing forgiveness. Invest in choosing love. Even when it means loving those that have hurt you. These, my friends, are the customs and the behaviors of heaven. This is where we're called to place our treasure. Jesus said, also, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So let me ask you, are you storing up treasures here on earth, or are you storing up treasures in heaven today? So this world is not our home. This world is not our model. And number three today, this world is not our focus. Jesus is. One of the ways that the Spirit loves to work in our life is to direct our attention to Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. When the Bible speaks to us about the Spirit guiding us into all truth, it's saying that the Spirit is actually guiding us to a person, Jesus, who is the full embodiment of truth. He is the truth. He's not just a truth. He's not just my truth. He is the truth. He is the embodiment of everything that is true about God and you. He is the truth. And the Holy Spirit's role is to point us in the direction of the truth, to point us to Jesus. Because you become what you behold. You become what you behold. So let me ask you, what are you beholding today? Where are you fixing your, your gaze and your attention? Are you consumed with the thoughts of your finances and lack and need? Or are you thinking about Jesus? Are you focused on Jesus who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, Hebrews says? You become what you behold. Now, confession time. One of the the things that I wrestle with often is this, is is just keeping my eyes on Jesus and not getting distracted. Anybody else have problems with getting distracted? They say nowadays that our children and, and, and even some of us have an attention span that's shorter than a goldfish. Have you guys heard this? Because of these screens and because of social media and YouTube and movies, our attention span is less than that of a goldfish. That's really sad. <laughs> Which means that we get distracted easily. We're, we're, we're at work, we're doing something, we're feeling productive, feeling good, and then all of a sudden, boop, a little notification shows up on the phone. Oh, what's that? What's that? You get an email in your inbox. Whoop, whoop, what's that? Oh, social media. Oh, somebody liked my post. Ooh, who, who 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 liked my post? Oh, the endorphins are going, everybody's all excited, right? now.. Oh. So easy to be distracted. Next thing you know, you're on a you're rabbit trail six videos deep into YouTube. <laughs> Ta- reading, watching something crazy. And you're like, oh no, I forgot I was supposed to be working today. <laughs> Anybody else? Just me? Me, just me? Just me? Okay. Easy to become distracted, easy to get focused on the wrong things. But Jesus calls us to focus on seeking first the kingdom, seeking his righteousness. And that's a place where I get stuck. And then sometimes I just need the voice of the Holy Spirit to come and to whisper into my heart and to say to me, Jason, my sweet little boy, the child that I love, I have everything that you need. There's nothing that you lack because my grace is sufficient. hear the words of Jesus echoing in the background of my soul, reminding me, like he says in Matthew chapter six, verse 26, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries, Adam and Terrell and Jeff, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? It's rhetorical. And why worry about your clothing? Why worry about Carhartt or Levi's? But look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. And yet Solomon, you guys remember Solomon? Yet Solomon in all of his glory and splendor was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and that are thrown into the fire tomorrow, yikes, He will certainly care for you. Say, he cares for me. All right, that was almost good. Why do you have so little faith? And there it is. Why do do we have so little faith? Or, Or another translation says, why is your faith so small? Right? Why do you have so little faith? Why do you doubt? Why do you allow your soul to grow anxious within you? Do you not know and have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, and that he never grows tired nor grows weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding, yet he gives power to the weak and strength to the strengthless. Because even young people like you and me grow tired and weary and even young men fall. But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Have you not heard? I wonder if I'm talking to anybody today that needs to hear that today, that needs to be strengthened within, that needs a little refreshment from God, that needs to be reminded that he's got everything that we need. I wonder if I'm talking to anybody that could use some strength and some direction today. I know I need this. Maybe I'm preaching to myself today. I wonder if, if we as a people would just be willing to just wait on the spirit a little bit and wait on the Lord. The Bible says that when you wait, that's an active position and posture. That's not a passive one, but when you wait actively on the Lord, you will mount up with wings like eagles. Anybody want to soar like eagles? Anybody want that kind of strength for some of you more seasoned ones? Come on. God's still got an assignment for your life. He's still got ministry for you to operate in things for you to do dreams that have yet to be fulfilled. Bible says in the last days, according to Joel chapter two and acts two, that he'll pour out his spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Come on, old men, You got some dreams to dream. Thank you. Let's go. And your young men will, will have visions. Come on, young men, It's time to get full of vision, not earthly success, not earthly stuff, but come on heavenly vision for your life and for your family. I know I'm preaching to myself today, but I know I'm preaching to some others as well. Jesus goes on to say this in verse 31. So don't worry about all this stuff, you guys. Don't worry. Be happy. Because every little thing is going to be all right. Don't worry about a thing. Anybody worrying about a thing today? Come on. Some of you are. Some of you got some real things that you're worried about. Your health. Maybe some stuff that's going on. Right? Some real stuff. Friends, parents, loved ones. Fill in the blank, right? We've got stuff that we worry about, but Jesus says, don't worry about a thing. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Because these are the things that dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. He says, but you, excuse me, but your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. So what's our job, church? Verse 33 tells us to seek first the kingdom of God. Above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. Everything, and there it is. The Lord will give you everything that you need. I wish it said everything that I want, but let's be honest, we don't know what we want. And the truth is, most of us don't even know what we need. But he does. He knows what you need, and he says he'll give you everything you need when... You seek his kingdom above all else. I wonder if we believe that this morning. Do we do we actually believe that Jesus will give us everything that we need? Not just some of the things. I, I think sometimes in our in our religious programming, for those of you that, that, were, that grew up that way, we, we kind of get into this sort of tug of war with God where we feel like, well, sometimes God will and sometimes God won't. And sometimes it's the will of God, sometimes it isn't. And no, come on church. If we are actively seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness, the Bible assures us of this. He will give you everything that you need. That's good today. That's good news today. So let me encourage you. As a people, this is what we need to do. We need to trust the work of the spirit. We need to trust our reliable guide. We need to trust his voice. We need to trust his word. We need to trust his guidance. We need to trust that he who began a good work in you and in me will finish it. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you that you have begun a good work in us and that you will complete it at the day of Christ's coming. Lord, we, we wait with eager anticipation for that day, the day where you say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. When, when you complete what you've started in us, Lord, sometimes we get, we get anxious and we get full of worry and we get tired and we give up and we, we get distracted and we just, Lord, just get discouraged in our faith. But Lord, you said that those who would wait on you and trust in you would rise up with wings like eagles. The picture is is that of those who soar. And I pray for this church today and I pray for every person in this room and listening to this message that they would soar with you, God. That they would go to higher heights with you. That they would mount up with those wings and feel your strength and feel your guidance and feel your direction, strengthening them and leading them where they're called to go. And for Father, for anybody that's in this place or listening to this message that doesn't know you, Lord, that they would turn from copying the customs and behaviors of the world and receive you, Jesus. Receive you as Lord and Savior and as King and Messiah over their life. And I pray for that in Jesus' name. And so if that's you today, just say, I'm turning to Jesus. Resolve within your heart right now. I don't need to lead you in your prayer. You just need to make a confession within your own heart right now that I'm gonna follow you. Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna give my life to you. I'm surrendering to you. I'm turning my back. I'm repenting of my sin and I'm embracing the good news of the gospel for my life. And I wanna start my story and journey with you. A journey that leads us, yes, to the cross, a place of of suffering, but a place where you suffered to take on our sin so that, Lord, we could be set free. So that we could be forgiven. And so we just receive that finished work. We receive the forgiveness of our sins. We receive a new life in you. And we just declare that over our life and over our families today, God. And I thank you for anybody in this place that's willing to say yes to you. You've already said yes to them by going to that cross. And so the decision is actually pretty easy. It's to choose life or choose death. You set before us that decision today, and I pray for anybody that's listening to this that you would choose life and live. And I pray that now in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said amen. Amen. Come on, church, let's put our hands together. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at CourageousChurch.com.